Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here today and really welcome those for the first time as well as really thank and appreciate those people who continue to return to us um, as returning listeners. Uh, today, got a chance to talk some great baseball. I think providing, I know he provides some valuable insight, insight for me to even learn more. Uh, you hear great things about him. I've had a couple of conversations. Uh, this is uh, probably our longest one, um, but it never never fails to never fails uh, to impress is Coach Kevin Anderson from Shenandoah University. He's the current head coach there at Shenandoah University in Virginia. Uh, he's been there since 2003. After being hired in 2003, 2004 was their second best season of all time in history. So he spent, you know, he got right down to business uh, even after his after he gets hired. Uh, from then on, you know, he's now won nearly 400 games in his career there at <clears throat> at Shenandoah. They've won four regular season titles in the USA South and Old Dominion Conference. Uh, they've had conference championships in both the USA South and the ODAC. Uh, three regional titles, which Coach alludes to there. They win the College World Series twice. Um, now they've done the Super Regional. They've won it there in 2009 and 2010. He was the Coach of the Year by the ABCA as well as the Virginia State Sports Information Directors. He was the former head coach at James Madison University, where he won 150 games, had two CAA tournament championships with the Dukes. And in 1995, his team was an NCAA tournament participant, and they had the second highest RPA behind in the nation behind Rice University. But Coach Kevin Anderson is just an incredible baseball mind, uh, very process-oriented, extremely detailed, um, and it is a baseball savant, is what I'd like to call. And the guy just um, teaches the the intricacies of the game, and uh, you can just hear how much of the game he just loves and knows. And uh, I love to hear all the the little nuances that he t- that he teaches, and um, and you hear great stories from his players. And I think that's what a lot of great coaches do. Like our players speak for for the for the coach, and you definitely hear that from. People who have played for him, uh, especially Shenandoah here, uh, just good buddies that I have that have played over there. I just speak very, very highly of Coach Anderson. So I was very privileged and appreciative of this conversation. Coach Anderson, again, can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Um, please be ready with some notepads. Honestly, I have two, I have almost two pages of single-spaced notes that I was typing up. Could have did more, uh, but just trying to be present with the conversation and see where it went. But it was just... Uh, just has some great tidbits, man. He just is a great guy to um, just to get things that kind of stick. You know, I think that's what coaches and that's what good communicators do. They can, uh, like co- like Tyler Gillum, Gilly would just be able to say certain things that just click and they stick in your mind. Good communicators do that. And Coach Anderson is that guy and is able to do that and speak very well. And uh, But at the same time, uh, it's it's not, it's simplified. And he's done a great job of that and he's spent a career doing it. So, Hopefully you enjoy this conversation. I, I know if you if you want to get better, you want to learn, you want to find a way to say something, looking for something, um, you know, you'll definitely find something in this conversation with Coach Kevin Anderson from Shenandoah University. One one thing Bruce and I do, Coach Gamera, we go to a major league team for a week every year. Nice. So we were in Kansas City, I don't know, five years ago maybe, 
And, you know, Dayton Moore, who's the GM, he and I are still great friends. I uh, coached him and, um, you know, he was my assistant three years. But anyway, he had four guys doing nothing but the cybermetrics and all that. And he would say, uh, like when a guy would hit a ball, he could tell you how many home runs any major league guy would hit in Kansas City. Mm. I mean, they have to know all that for, for trades and yeah. just what they have done is, is unbelievable. With We're not that advanced. We use it some. Um, you know, but a lot of it, just like the big thing in pitching is tunneling. Well, that's nothing more than consistent separation, consistent arm slot, consistent arm speed, and having something goes east, west, west, east, but, you know, tunneling and. Yeah. But it all, all coming out stuff. of the same position, you know, like yeah, exactly. Sean, you say share space, you know, it's all going to just come from the same box. You got it. Cause you know. <laughs> And from day one, hitters are taught, you know, read that. And you can see the slightest variation. Uh, so, you know, we do a lot of video work um, from behind uh, the mound, behind the catcher, arm side. Um, and, and all of our video work, this is one thing I've gathered. We never do it unless it's live. Oh, you know, my swing could look good right now off the tee. Um, but if I had to go up there and hit, change of pace and speed, well, I couldn't do it. So all of our video is live. That's a good, that's a good, it's good. And then it's apples and apples for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you find that to be, is that something that you just recently have started or have you always really liked the video? I've always liked video, even back in the VHS days. Yeah. When, when you played in the program that we had, everybody had their own VHS tape and then we would just keep on adding to it. And then like on the TV monitor, we would put like a, um, uh, the plastic stuff, um, or, okay. you know, like teachers like film. used to use. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we yeah. put that on there, and then you can make marks on it, and you can show bat path or, or, or whatever it was. So I, I think one thing I learned a long time ago, you know, try to use as many senses as you can. And if a kid can see something, you know, this game's about making adjustments, and that helps them. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. I love what you said earlier about like, you know, just even the competition, you know, like the competition that you, do you try to instill competition every day? Every day. Oh man. And, and that's competition written test. We give written tests by position and we'll post who has the highest grades. Um, we do competition for quality at bats. Who is the best on team at bats? We, we don't really emphasize batting average at all, uh, but a lot of situational hitting, like that's what it was today. Everything we do, we are charting objective data, and we sit and share that with our kids. Um, you know, especially at the end of the fall, when we talk about what your role is. Um, goodness gracious, we we keep more data, and Coach Cameron does a tremendous job uh, with with all that. And we break it down: you know, team at bat, individual at bat. Uh, we do it. We we enter squad every day unless it's the individual day like today. But in our inner squads, if you walk, get hit by a pitch or sacrifice bunt, you come back and hit. Okay. Okay. So the guy that makes the last out is standing by first base. And then, so let, let's say you walk, the guy made the last out just steps on first, we keep playing. Okay. And then we switch every six outs uh, to maximize the time. So a pitcher will run on. 
get five warm-ups. And when he does the warm-up, his last one, uh, the first time we practice a live one, six, three. So the mm-hmm. catcher throws the third. And then we practice a bunt three where he's getting off the mound and playing live as the catcher throws the second. You know, because when you're doing PFP, what's the first thing you tell your pitchers? Easy on your arm, easy on your arm. Mm-hmm. Well, with they're good and hot, at least we're getting a one, six, three live. And we're getting a live him getting off the mound and, and making a bunt play. And the first time he does it, it, it's a force out. The second time's a tag play because where he's throwing is a little bit different for each right. one. Now you say you do that right, right when he's hot or are you talking like in between that three? When, it, or when he does, you know, like on his fifth pitch. Yeah. When he's okay. throwing down. Yeah. We'll have a coach right there at the box. So when it goes across the plate, he either hits, you know, a fungo where he's got to turn a double play. Right. Or a bunt down the third base side. Yep. And everything, you know, now the catcher is live or it it just, it helps us a little bit. I think it helps our pitchers, you know, like they did PFP today for, for 30 minutes, but we try to, you know, the three things you got to do as a pitcher, you got to get hitters out, but you got to field your position. You got control running game. We pretty much equal amount of time on each. Nice. Yeah, that's, and that just it just shows. I mean, the amount of the, so when you get into like these game situations, you know, because mm-hmm. and that's about getting getting guys out. Um, do you have a script of like so many every kind of situations during, during your inner squad? Yep. You basically is every is well, every day we play we play straight up baseball okay. uh, with our philosophy of score, and, and this is one stat that we keep: how many times you run the winning team. Oh, okay. So every player when they play like. We will play uh, – we play double hitters every Saturday, singles on Wednesday. So over six weeks, we'll play – you'll get – if you're a player in our program, you'll play 18 games this fall. So we will chart what your record was in those 18. Hmm. So the kids are competing. So will you So you won't have, like, one team that goes all fall. You always mix it – you're always mixing the team up. We, well, we have the kids in five pods, and I had to do it whether you're on campus or off campus. So the oh, off-campus right. kids got to play off-campus kids. Right. The on-campus have to play on-campus. Wow, is it always like that? Like, do you always? Do you oh always, no, that's just because just, of the COVID. Yeah, it's like no, like even in the other year, like even on a no. regular regular year, would you just just make two teams, or would it still? I be would. I would make mixed? four, depending upon the number of kids. See, we have eighty players on our program. Because mm. we play forty varsity, thirty developmental. Right. This is our highest roster. Uh, we'll probably carry right at sixty. So perfect world. We'd have 25 varsity, 25 developmental, 10 swing guys. So, you know, it's competition for spots. If we had four teams, which I really like having four teams, mm-hmm. then we were playing double dips. And, you know, I'm rotating the teams and positions. Okay. But always keeping that data. Um, Helps you be objective when there are roles and things like that when it comes to – Yes, sir. You're right. You know – when you're sitting down with the kid talking about what their role is, um, the first thing we do in that meeting, we have the kids put a number on themselves. One, they expect to be a first-team All-American. Two, all-conference. Three, a swing guy. Four, developmental. Five, they want to be in the program and not play. So I'll, I'll do that meeting in November, and I have them put numbers on themselves. All freshmen and sophomore put two numbers. For example, you may put a three and a two. 
which means you're a swing guy now, but you can be all conference. And when you do that, mm-hmm. then what is the plan to get you there? So will you guys both do that? Like, will they do it there for themselves? And then they say, hey, well, here's yes. why I see you. In baseball, we do our own winter meetings. Right. Okay. So we come to my house and we go through every player in our program. And the biggest thing I think we do a pretty good job of, we talk about what a player can do rather than what he can't do. You know, anybody can see what a guy can't do. But what can a guy do? What's he bring to the table? And we play a lot of guys. For example, if, you, if you're a starter, you know you're going to play the first six innings. Innings seven through nine, we're going to play situational baseball. So you may get pinch hit four, and then we do a pinch runner, and then bring in another guy in to play defense. So if you're in our program dressed, we have confidence we'll play you. Awesome. How do you, uh, so getting guys used to that situational baseball, what are ways that you help prepare your guys for that situational baseball? Well, that's the way we practice. You know, we teach the why we do things first, the how second. And we would like to think that we have a baseball program rather than a team. Uh, We put a lot of emphasis on team whether it be working on the field, community service, uh, whether you're uh, – we have Keegan Wolford. I mean, he's <clears throat> one of the best power guys in Division Three baseball. Should be a good draft pick. He's just as, as important – or another guy who doesn't play in our program is just as important. And Keegan's one of the best kids I've ever coached. But, you know, I'll go to my fourth, fifth string catcher and say, man, I really admire you. I appreciate what you do. Mm-hmm. and there's no hazing in our program, none of that crap. Um, you know, that, that kid's fifth string gets the same equipment as our All-Americans. Um, we give ownership to our players. So, for example, Saturday was our first day. We played five games. Uh, our whole program was in first and thirds, bunt offense, bunt defense, the whole thing. And that's a credit to our seniors. They started in the classroom. They went to the field. Senior pitchers got everybody ready to throw 32 pitches with bullpens. Um, So that's our day one. So today was day two. So you are are having some classroom time. Oh, yeah. We we don't put anything in on the field. Everything is done inside, controlled environment classroom you guys have a locker room inside or is it just an actual classroom to get to use we used to it's been very difficult this year because you can only have a max of 15 Uh, kids right right so the days of traditional meetings with powerpoints (laughs) and doing a lot of teaching they're over so for example when we have meetings now we got to do social distancing spaced out in the stadium and then the coaches are on the field i mean we may have to use a microphone uh, if I have pitchers only that I'm talking to or Coach Cameron's working with hitters, um, you know, we've really had to adjust the way we teach. Mm. So you definitely are. So every day you, you have classroom session every day before practice or is that just a no, specific it, thing? Our whole system is in. And, okay. you know, our technical strategy, like we did a lot of technical strategy on the field today. When we play Wednesday and Saturday, we're going to have video from three different angles, okay? 
and then we download it and it's up to that player to watch the video and to make adjustments. So we do a lot of what we call coach on the run and, you know, very little about technical strategy while we're playing. It's about tactical strategy. And we really want our kids to think they're playing wiffle ball in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And when you play wiffle ball in the backyard, man, you're getting her down, letting her loose. We have a couple non-negotiables in our program. You don't talk to the opponent. You don't talk to the umpire. End of discussion on that. And, you know, is that old school? I think it's respect school for a game mm-hmm. of baseball. Uh, I, I don't get into the bench jockeying, uh, arguing with the umpire stuff. Uh, I'll handle any umpire discussions. Um, well, we just come out and play straight up baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we talk a lot to our kids about if, you know, you're going to advance, any team can win 10 to 2, 9 to 4. Can you win 3 mm-hmm. to 2? Can you win 4 to 3? You know, can you execute small ball offense? Can you execute small ball defense? You know, can you read a ball in the dirt? So, we, you know, we practice a lot of base running, uh, live situations. You know, we don't make the first out on the bases unless it's a force out. You know, we're going to play for the big inning with none. One out, we'll get a little bit more aggressive. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, comfort level of the player. For example, if, if you can handle the bat and you come up, let's hit and run. Uh, let's bunt and run. Let, whatever your strength is. Uh, Coach Cameron, who does a tremendous job with their hitters, you know, he talks to the Wolford kid a lot about long chain. Uh-huh. I mean, a kid uh, hit one in practice the other day, went through the windshield of a car on the road in right field. It's about 450 feet. Uh-huh. You know, if we have a little center fielder that can run and we talk to him about launch angle, he'll lead the country and fly balls. Correct. So he, he does a tremendous job uh, with teaching our hitters. So, like, so, so your hitting philosophy and how those things are, is it, is it always been, I mean, kind of that, that, that doesn't seem anything new. Like for you and knowing who you are, like you, I, I, I've always felt like you've been a guy that, well, Taylor, whatever you kind of do well, you know, Kevin Brashears was a different guy than Drew Crawford was, and yep. you coach those two differently. So has, has the launch angle and those kind of things like that new, has that, has that changed you much? Well, yeah, I, I think too many people cookie cut players, whether it be pitching or hitting. And, you know, one, one of the things I said earlier, we try to find out what a kid can do rather than what he can't do. And one of the things that we'll do with our hitters, we put the whole field out there. And they have to shade in where they hit the ball best. Okay. That's like one of the tests yeah, you give well, them. But this, this is to find out from them. Okay. And then what we'll do, we'll put the plate there. Horizontal strike zone, vertical strike zone. So during an individual at bat, where do you want the pitch? Where do you hit the ball? Where do you hit the ball best? Then do that. You do what you do. And, you know, if it's a situation, then we'll come back. You know, if it's hit behind a runner. One out of man at third with infield up or infield back. Uh, our job as coaches is to put you in that situation. So when it comes up to in a game, you've already been there. You know, because to get the results we want, we break it down to, into P plus E plus E equals R. And that stands for performance. And our job as coaches is to help maximize your performance. 
The second E, and this is on coaches, is execution. And that's all of our situations, offensively, defensively. The third E is on the player effort. Only you know if you're given 100%. And if we get P plus E plus E, results take care of themselves. We de-emphasize winning. We emphasize the process. And um, we have a system uh, that we do our strategy by the score and breaking the third, breaking it down into thirds. So when we put something on, our kids basically know why we're doing it and how we're doing it. And they anticipate it. Um, and if you can handle, like I said earlier, if you handle it, we're going to try and apply pressure. If you can't handle it, then I'm not going to ask you to hit and run. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of hit and run versus control pitchers, especially when we have a guy susceptible to double play. If we get a strike on him, let's send the runner. You know, we wanted to try to hit the strength, but once we get a strike and you're susceptible to double play, let's put the runner in motion. We'll hit mm-hmm. and run, avoid the double play mm-hmm. so we can get a guy in scoring position. Mm, that was awesome. P plus E plus E. That's great. So then the performance, that's right. Equals R plus your results. It's great to emphasize the process. So, and I mean, that you've, t- you've talked about that already about the process of the quality of bats from the, you know, the stats of like just winning, um, you know, all the things that you're tracking, you know, those are all process driven things. What kind of things are you, what kind of process things are you looking for? Because uh, 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 I've, I've been, because I love base running too. And I think that really separates a, a good program because base running's taught. Like it, you can see a good base running team is typically coached well. So what kind of processes do you look for in base running? Well, the first thing is understanding um, how to run the bases. Some of the fastest players I've ever coached were not good base runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll take back when Drew and Kevin, we had a kid by the name of Scott Lambert. Uh, we do a count. He, he was a 7-2 runner, stole 20 bases. You know, we've got some other kids, 6'5", 6'6". They don't know how to get a jump, read pitchers. Uh, we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about how to go first to third, read a ball in the dirt, whether you're at first or second. Um, you know, vault steal a third base. We're big on that. Uh, we keep a lot of, uh, time stuff, a lot of counts on pitchers. In other words, uh, does he throw to the plate on one, two or three? Does he throw over coming up? And we keep a chart in our dugout as the when a guy throws over. We also keep a chart as what his best time is throwing over. Um, like when a guy can on his best move get below 1.0. Uh, you probably don't want to get out there past 10 feet. Mm-hmm. But if you have a guy, right-hander, for example, that's one, two, five, one, three, you'd probably extend the lead. Uh, but we try to pick up patterns on pitchers and really steal more off pitchers uh, than, than catchers. We don't have a lot of blazing fast guys. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got a couple, uh, but most part is getting a good jump, when to go first to third, how to read an outfielder. You know, is he going away from the base? Um, and it's just, I I think, and you alluded to it earlier, a lot of people don't practice base running in practice. Mm -hmm. And as much as we play something that we have done, uh, we don't use base coaches when we're playing. So kids got to read and react on them on their own. We'll put something on. Um, but invariably we'll get like a freshman, for example, First time he's on base, like a ball hits the outfield, 
and he's looking over third base mm -hmm. rather than reading and reacting on his own. Trying to be instinctual. Yeah. yeah. So the only way to do that is to practice it. So sure. pull the base coaches off. Yeah. Now, where that kid has been taught his whole life to pick up the coach at third, that's on him unless the mm -hmm. ball's behind him. Yeah. But we've gone through, you know, don't make the first or third out of third. We don't make the first out on the bases unless it's a force out. If we have a chance at all with two, we're going to send it at the, at the plate. Mm -hmm. Unless you had a big bopper coming up next. Uh, we're not going to steal, for example, when Wolford's up. He hits in our three-hole. Steal, they're going to walk him. We're not going to take the bat out of his hand. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny you say those things, too, like being instinctual. Like me and Kevin were – Kevin was helping me with the summer team this this summer, and uh, we didn't we didn't we didn't put a steal sign. We never had a steal sign. We said the only thing we're going to give you is a no. You're not going to steal sign like a stop sign. Mm -hmm. And we by the end by the middle at a couple games we we said okay, second and third or like there's certain situations where I want you to go. Like we just gave up. We just gave up like an automatic. We need you to go here. But other than that, we never put it on. And it was amazing because that's the first time we ever did it. Me and Kevin started th thinking about it, it was like. And it was amazing to see the transfer. Like you saw, I saw so much growth in base runners, mm -hmm. you know, that they weren't looking for me to steal. They had to start looking at the game to allow it yep. to, to, to do it, you know, but like, yeah, we'd get up by certain things or like, Hey, like you just said, in this situation, it's not a good one. So we're just gonna, we're gonna not, yeah. we're not going, yeah. we're not going here. Not a good time to go. But other than that, like, and I probably will put that on twice a game, yeah. you know, depending on the situation. But other than that, like, and it was it was just great to see that you know like let let loose a little bit you know I, you know we did have some talented kids but I feel even at the youngest level too to kind of get guys to see those kind of things um, but not many guys talk about them I think yeah like I said they're that's a very face run is a very it, it has to be coached you know and you'd be they're fortunate that people would just kind of recognize it but you know it's definitely a coach that, that's still. where the written tests for us really come in <clears throat> for example get a kid to explain the infield fly rule, what happens if the runner advances? 90% mm. of them think it's still a force. Instead mm -hmm. of infield fly, batter is out, got a tag, mm -hmm. uh, when to go first, third, dirt ball. Um, there, there's just so many instinctive things. And we give an NCAA rules test to every one of our players. Uh, you take a rules test in baseball. You, you'd be surprised. How things that we take for granted because we've been in the game uh, for so long. Uh, just some basic one-on-one stuff. We talk a lot about the history of baseball. Uh, we'll show videos on the history of baseball. Uh, and I I'm blessed. Uh, we have tremendous young men in our program uh, that love the game of baseball. Um, you know, my staff, Rick Crouchor is our pitching coach. Uh, I, I coached him a long time ago at James Madison. He played in the big leagues. Uh, the year McGuire hit 70, that was Rick's rookie year in the big leagues. He had 57 appearances. And, hmm. you know, we took him out for dinner the other day. It was his 50th birthday. And then it hit me. I'm like, I coached you. You're 50. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and we have Nick Spores, who's our head developmental coach. Tremendous coach. Very versed in all aspects of the game. I uh, played um, uh, on the first team when I went to Shenandoah in 2004. He's been a head high school coach. Um, Micah Salzburg is our catching instructor from the University of Maryland. 
does a great job with them. And newest addition to our staff, uh, Chris Jenkins. Uh, Chris had been the head coach in Anne Arundel Community College for the last five or six years. I actually sure. coached him at George Mason in 1988. Really? Yeah. So you know, that's when I was a graduate assistant. Oh, okay. And we've stayed in contact. His dad was a longtime coach at St. Mary's. Okay. Uh, so the staff that we have, man, uh, it, it's good. Yeah, and it allows me uh, to dabble in a little bit of everything. Uh, when I left the yard today, Rick had gone through the PFP, the three holding runners on. He had two bullpens tonight at 730 with kids coming off of injuries. Um, and, and biggest thing is, with our, our staff, I trust each and every one of them, and I don't tell them how to coach. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a mold. We talk behind closed doors what we want. I email the practice schedule out to the kids either the night before or the morning of. I post nothing at practice. They're to be prepared. And we break down individual work. For example, Coach Cameron had the outfielders today. Coach Jenkins had corner infielders. Um, Coach Crouchure had the pitchers. I sort of ran everything, and but it, the kids are they're getting some quality instruction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, is that something that's that you would say is a, has been a you know you've been so consistent throughout the years, especially at Shenandoah? Um, is that something that you just feel like is a testament to your consistency? Is just having that staff? Yeah, uh, most no question. I mean. Coach Cameron is the best hitting instructor I've ever worked with. Mm. That's how good. I mean, I've wow. worked for some good ones. Sure you have. Um, and to see how he relates with the players, um, you know, he, he's our, our bench coach. Um, he gets those guys mentally ready. Um, he has a very much of a calming effect on the guys. You know, we, we try to teach the aggressive but disciplined approach. And – he just he, he does wonders with our kids, uh, whether breaking down video, setting up, you know, and, and this is one I really like that he does. He figures out what drills you need as a hitter rather than saying we're all going to do the same drill. Mm-hmm. You know, he, that's his job to figure out, you know, whether it be top hand over, whether it be T work, whether it be high T, um, front toss going oppo. He, he figures out what you need. Um, and he also can figure out if you're going good, leave you alone. And, he, so, and you guys build that into the BP, or is that built in like during side work, during case That's time? That's side work. You know, we, we teach hitting in warm-up, form-up, time-up. During the warm-up phase, when you're working on your swing, a coach coaches you. During the form-up phase, okay, which now we're doing some front toss, soft toss, whatever it is, we coach you a little bit. During, during the time-up phase, when you're in the box, the coach is instructed to shut up. Hmm. You don't talk to anybody when they're in the box. So you coach them during the warm-up phase, coach a little bit in the form-up phase, shut up during the time-up phase. Let them do it. You know, Love guy it. may take a swing, bone the dirt. You know, and why am I going to holler at him? Hit strikes. Mm-hmm. Whenever you, you negative enforce a kid for swinging the bat because they swung at a bad pitch, and chart this, I want you to look at this, Trey. Okay. How many guys take the next pitch right down the hospital? <laughs> because you got on a you got on a kid for swinging a bat, right? Right. That's right. what you want them to do. Absolutely. 
you know, I want our guys to go up hitting thinking it's BP. Absolutely. You know, in BP, you don't go up taking. No, sir. You like go you said, up thinking well, it's your pitch. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think, you you know, you're trying to – and it goes back to what you just said about you want guys to play like it's a wiffle ball game. When you're a wiffle ball game, you're just out there for just taking it. You know, like you're, you're getting you're getting your money's worth, you know, and you're getting after yeah. it. So, oh, man, that's that's so good. And almost like that's like the gradual release like good teachers do. And I think that's what you've always – I've always seen about you. Um you know, just being a great teacher and all. So the gradual release of responsibility, and that sounds like from a hitting standpoint of what you do, um, do you have the same kind of philosophy pitching-wise, you know, like sure. that same kind of like uh, process? Yeah. For example, if you look at our rotation, um, our, our number one this year, it'll be 88 to 92. Good breaking ball, nice changeup. Looks like our number four is going to be the left-hander, 77 to 81. Slop it up there. Throw a cut, curveball, change up, four seamer, two seamer, and you turn back around and go to the dugout. You know, why can't you hit this guy? But, so, teaching wise, you know, we don't teach them to fish anyway, anywhere the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, their bullpen workouts are different. Uh, for, uh, for example, a lot of people have a clear cut um, routine, for example. I don't believe in that at all. I think we got to figure out what works. For example, if you're a starter, let's say you're a Saturday starter, I'm, I'm going to fiddle around depending upon arm strength, whether your bullpen is on a Wednesday or Thursday, whichever one works for you. I know if we do a bullpen on Wednesday, we can get after it a little bit more and probably do a 32 pitch bullpen to get you ready for Saturday. Where if we go on Sunday or I'm sorry, Thursday, probably a 16 pitcher at about 60 percent so i've got to figure out which one you like which Mm -hmm. one prepares you you've got to have some serious conversations with kids seems like you know just the relationship that you must have that to constantly get feedback you know from those things because i'm sure that that's that's what you we just did a a questionnaire with our pitchers Mm -hmm. for example every pitch how comfortable they felt in throwing them and and then we do a lot of excuse me, a lot of gun work on speed variances. I don't care if you throw 88, 90, 84, but we've got to have some speed variances. And, and what we're finding, Trey, most kids coming out of high school, uh, let's say they throw 85, 86, which is our average guy, then they're probably 72, 73 on their change up and breaking ball. So they got two pitches the same speed. Well, you're not taking any timing away. You know, hitters, you were a hitter, you, you look for spin and rotation. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to find three pitches at three different speeds for our starters. If you can't do that, it's very difficult to start at our level with the competition we're playing. So we probably will have to make you a middle guy, you know, if you only got two pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to be a starter, you need three pitches at three different speeds. And then we'll try to get one inning guys that have one plus pitch mm-hmm. and let them throw that pitch. Um, try to lead guys off with the worst pitch they throw and then get them out with the best pitch. That, that's all we try to do. So uh-huh. if, if you have a slop tart curveball that can't strike anybody out, let's lead them off with it. And then if you have a cut or a good uh, fastball, there'll be a two seamer, four seamer, and let's get people out with your best. So really try to instill confidence in, in our guys that, you know, we, we pitch a lot to the L up and in, low and away hard in soft away a lot but if you don't feel comfortable 
and pitching inside, well, we, we're not going to do that. Sure. So that, that's just, you know, where, where you get to know your guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for three weeks this fall, we'll throw nothing but fastball changeups. And when you warm up, every other throw is a changeup. Long toss and changeup? Long toss, changeup, every other throw that you make. And mm-hmm. the key there is to try to get that consistent arm action. And that's why we throw so many change-ups. Yep. And that goes back to that whole, like you said, the new thing, tunneling and everything. It's just that consistent arm path, you know, mm-hmm. consistent arm path and, and release. Yep. Absolutely. So you've talked so much. We talked a lot of physical things, you know, and I know, and I know the, you know, you want competitors, you know, and you talked about your, um, volunteering and things like that you know like i know that i know the game is much more important to you than just the game and what it means you know so like how do you how do you how do you show your kids you know that the game is means so much more well i i think with the way we go about our business uh you're not gonna see us down at the bar hungover. you're not gonna see us with our hat backwards uh we try to be good communicators are we perfect by no means not at all but we talk to our guys a lot about the three C's in life. Um, and the first one is control. Control your emotions. Take care of what you can control. Uh, confidence. I played for a great high school football coach, Jerry Kelligan, and I still use it to this day on confidence. Don't tell me, show me. Your actions are going to speak louder than words. And then the third one, this is not vogue in today's society, is compete. If you're mm-hmm. playing your mom in bowling, barrier. I mean, mm-hmm. put her away. And that intrinsic motivation to compete, you know, this ain't in the murals. We're trying, you know, it's funny. I've worked for six athletic directors. Mm-hmm. And invariably, they'll say, well, what are you going to do different? And my answer has been standard. I'm going to do all I can to win the last game of the year. And Absolutely. only one of them's understood that. But I want to win the last game of the season. Absolutely. I've never done that at the college club. I mean, isn't that what we're playing for? Absolutely. You know, we, we've won regionals three times. Uh, now that the super regional thing is out, we've been to that once. Uh, been to regionals 10 in the last 11 years. But we, you know, we've been to World Series twice, but we haven't won it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if I ever will. Uh, but I do think we're doing all we can to prepare a team to get there. Uh, Division three baseball, since I've been in it, has increased by leaps and bounds. The talent level is so much. I, I can't get over how good it is. Uh, you know, just it. There are some borderline Division one baseball teams playing Division three baseball. Uh, it, it, it's exciting. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot. And, you know, for example, Salisbury. I mean. That's a mid-major Division One program. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our ODAC that we play in with the twelve teams, it is it's salty, man. You know, at one time last year, I think we had four teams in the top twenty-five in the country. Yeah. Uh, if you're not, you know, if you're not bringing your lunch pail, you you'll get sent home packing quickly. Absolutely. 
Well, I mean, it also speaks to the kind of recruits you guys. I mean, that you know that that's playing at those at those at those schools. You know, like it's not anybody can just walk in there to play at Shenandoah. Like it's just not. And that's what you know, just hoping to bring. And it's it's just awareness. People just need to know. Like it's just an awareness of like, look, there's you can, you're going to try to go to this Division One program when you know they just there's not match up. You know, like yeah, yeah I don't I don't think you recruit Division Three players like. You know, Kevin nope. Bashir's was not a Division three player. Nope. You know, like, that's just – that's what it comes down to. You know, when we find a kid that we like, you know, there's five physical tools. We we would like for one of them that they do something at the Division one level, whether it be throw, run, hit for power, hit for average, or they got a Division one glove. Mm-hmm. For the guys that we're starting, you know, hopefully at least one. Now, if they don't, then they're going to have to have about three tools – that are pretty darn good. And um, we've been very fortunate. And you and you get this, just like your listeners do. Good kids attract good kids. Sure. Bad kids attract bad kids. And we look at every kid. And we, we say it's Friday, Saturday night. You can go hit in the cages or work out, or you can go to a party. If you'd rather hit in the cages or work out than go to a party, you will like me. <laughs> If if you like the party scene, this will be the NFL, not for long. <laughs> so, and we, and I, I'm not saying we're, we're sitting around a campfire every night making s'mores either, uh, or singing kumbaya, but we have good kids in our program, and the the our players play a very important role in our recruiting process. We bring a kid in, and uh, our players come to us say, "Hey, Skip, you know." probably not the kind of guy we want. I don't care how good they are. They don't want them in the program. We don't recruit them. Yeah. That's the best. And that's a telltale sign of a good program. And the players take ownership, you know, it's the highest level of commitment is is ownership, you know? And so that's, that's half off to you and your leadership and the program that you built when those kids are taking ownership of it, especially alumni, I'm sure taking ownership of it as well. Oh yeah. Wanting to see a certain style of baseball and what they're doing. Yeah. Tremendous alumni base. Uh, you know, we've gone to countless weddings, you know, we're, we've been here long enough where, you know, kids are getting married, having children, you know, for example, you brought up Drew Crawford, Kevin Bashir's two of the best people I've ever known. And now they're married. They're very successful in what they do. And just, just say, man, I, I was associated with that guy. Um, I could not be more proud of either one of them. Tristan Baker, same thing. I, I can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had 13 seniors last year. All 13 graduated on time in four years. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, three are coming back and getting their masters and playing that fifth year that the NCAA is giving them. Mm-hmm. I just, I just got thinking of because, you know, like you said, those are very uh, traits. So, like, and you look for the three C's and you talk about the three C's. Is that something that you do you look for in a recruit? Like, is there, are there, because you talk about the tools, you know, the guy should have a tool. Let's not Mm -hmm. get, let's not get it fooled. They definitely need a tool. Is it something that you're also going to say, well, this guy also has confidence. This guy also lacks control. Yes, he does this elite, but man, he lacks a lot of control. I don't know if we're going to be able to give him these things and we're going to say, maybe just not for me. I don't bring in any kids unless I sit down and talk to their parents. And I look at every set of parents because I am one. And I go, I'm going to continue what you started at home. And if a kid has structured, discipline, organization in his life, it's an easy transition. If he, he doesn't, it's, we're probably not the right fit. 
Uh, it's just like with public education, you as a teacher, you're supposed to be teaching. You know, if a kid doesn't have discipline at home, how can you instill discipline? You know, that, that's hard because you're supposed to be teaching. Well, you know, we continue with a parent because I'm their surrogate father uh, away from home. And you think about it. I have a mortgage and I rely on 18 to 22 year olds to pay that mortgage. Mm-hmm. And that's in the classroom. That's on the field. And that's in the community. Our team GPA last semester was a three, seven, one. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yes, it is. Uh, for the fourth consecutive year, the American Baseball Coaches Association rewarded our program for our, our players' uh, academic prowess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Cameron does a tremendous job with our freshmen. Uh, I, I mean, this guy is, is phenomenal. He takes all of our freshmen, and we map out all 168 hours of a week, and we teach them that time management and keep them on top of it. And, you know, does everybody buy in? No. Uh, we firm believers in the old Casey Stingle rule, third, third, third. Third of your guys think you're great. Third of them are on the fence. Third of them on shore. And we hope that that third in the middle, we get over there. And, and we've been fortunate enough to do that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. But, yeah, I mean, this, those are some really – how, so with your classroom sessions, is it ever something like the team might need a talking about or like you might bring in some type of the mental game um, part of your classroom sessions? Yeah. I mean, we, again, what fits? This is what's been interesting this year. Our classroom sessions um, have been really small group with those mentors by position. For example, we, we have four first basemen. Well, Keegan just went to the classroom because us as coaches, you know, we can't go in the classroom like we used to uh, with this COVID thing. So there was a lot that we asked our seniors to do and upperclassmen by position. For example, our shortstop Frankie Ritter had all four shortstops. I mean, in a classroom talking about everything, showing everything. And then after the classroom, bringing them to the field and walking them through stuff. So it, what an advantage it is because you know, our players can teach the program uh, that we do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Hmm. Man, holy moly, coach, this is really great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, shoo. What, um, like, I would love to get into, like, uh, so how, like, you do you I guess do you do, would you see yourself as a creative coach like do you feel like that's one of your assets as a coach to be creative I think you're seems, always it, it, you're it always seems, making it, it here, here's a word we never use with kids we never use the word change okay. the minute you say something to a kid that you're going to change them or we want you to change when they don't have success whose fault is it it's the coach coach changed me I was all front yard. I was all backyard. And now I came to Shenandoah and coach changed me. So as Bruce does and Rick does, and I like to think I do, you know, to have success, it's a constant game of minor adjustments. If we have to do a major overhaul, why would we recruit you? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to work. So you're constantly making adjustments, not making changes. So, and that's what you're thinking is because it just for me like 
just your energy about how, what you've been doing now with COVID and how the, the adjustments that you're making, it seems like, you know, that just seems like it, it's been right in your wheelhouse to like, a, what, none of the stuff is ever scripted for us anyway. So we're just kind of going with it. I mean, it's, I think yeah. it's a great, it's a great example to show the team. Well, and with the COVID thing, I looked right at the guys and put it on. If you want to have baseball, you have no social life. If you want to have a social life, there won't be baseball. So you make a decision. Fortunately, we have a lot of guys that love the game. I mean, our players, you, you think about it. When they get done, if you live off campus, you can't go to anybody else's house. Nobody can come to your house. If you're on campus, you got to go to your dorm room. You can't go to other dorm rooms. So your, your social life is basically nil. And you, you look at other colleges all over the country that are shutting down. I mean, we're in class. Our kids are physically in class, not doing virtual or Zoom or whatever it is. Um, so that's the type of young man that we have that is committed. Um, it, it, and, and the university, I'm going to commend them for being very vigilant and setting up a plan uh, to keep us in class and, you know, everybody getting tested, filling out a daily awareness thing. Uh, but I, I, I just can't say enough great things about our players and that's how much baseball means to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was 18 to 22 once many years ago, but I can't say, uh, not that I was ever a social butterfly, but, you know, it, that's hard to do when you're 18 to 22. It is. It is. But I think it just shows your commitment to the game, you know, your passion for the game, yeah. you know, the love for it, you know, and just not, nothing was going to stand in the way of it. Yeah. And, you know, just like we've only had two practices. The first day we were on the field, got to the yard at 930 in the morning, left 930 at night. Uh, got to the yard today at 130. First group came in at quarter or two and I hustled home. In fact, Coach Cameron and the other guys got the field ready when I left. And Coach Crouchford had bullpens at 730. All of us had been there since 130. Mm. You know, but as a staff, we have this mentality. Would we rather have five to ten hour days or zero hour days? We'll take the five to ten. So we're doing something we love to do. Right. Right. Well, Coach, this has been incredible. I knew I knew it would be. Uh, just I've got almost two pages of, like, single space notes here, man. Just unbelievable i just can't thank you enough it, like let's say if there's anybody who just wants to talk some more baseball get in touch with you you know be interested more in shenandoah um what's the mm-hmm. best way to contact you yeah, you know my email kanders2 at su.edu kanders2 at su.edu okay. um and you can go on our website uh on, on suhornets.com you can get there like that there's a bunch of stuff about our program um number of great kids that we have, our staff, uh, players that are interested. We have a full prospect camp on October 17th. Um, you know, we normally get a really good showing for that uh, from sophomores, juniors, and seniors that might be interested in playing at Shenandoah. You said October 17th? Yeah, October 17th. Okay. <clears throat> and you can get that You can get that information right on your the SU Hornets website? Yeah, and you go to – Kevin Anderson baseball camps or right on the SU uh, Hornets website. And, and, and if a young man loves the game of baseball and values an education, 
we're a really good fit. Mm-hmm. You said, or Kevin Anderson camps? Kevin Anderson baseball camps. Okay. Fantastic. This has been great. This has been absolutely great, Coach. I can't thank you enough, man. Is there, is there anything pal. Is there anything, anything else that, you, uh, that you'd like to send us off with? Any more, uh, any more words of wisdom? It, it, it's always a pleasure uh, to learn a game of baseball. You know, in your area, I, I will. Um, one of my favorite, and, and I read about baseball managers, um, one of my favorite managers, Earl Weaver. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. And I love the title of his book, and I try to lead my life, and I recommend it to anybody. And the title is, It's What You Learn After You Think You Know It All That Counts. Think of that statement. Amen. It's what you learn after you think you know it all that counts. Amen. What a great way to send us off, and I appreciate the, appreciate the time and big-time words of wisdom, and I think you've Continue to provide valuable, so many, so much valuable information, Coach. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Trey. Just can't thank Coach Anderson enough for taking the time here to talk to me for the podcast. Hopefully, you enjoyed just a wealth of knowledge. Hopefully, you took something away that you could take into getting better, either as a coach, as a player, as a parent. I think there's something for everybody there. Um, you know, and just being able to take the little things of how he simplifies and has a process for so many things. I love how he just t- t- touched base on how they emphasize the process so much. I think that's what champions do. They emphasize that the the championships and the results come as a they come as an effect of doing the right things. And he talked to his performance, his execution, his effort. Those are what we need to work on to be able to get the results that we want. How they focus on that. Um, I just loved his warm-up, form-up, time-up, and that gradual release of responsibility where we're going to coach him up during the warm-up time. We're going to coach him a little bit less during the form-up time, and then we're going to shut up during the time-up time. And um, if that could be something that would be summed up in youth baseball and youth coaching, would be huge. It's time for us to see what have they learned, and then we will help them get better after the fact, okay? Because the, the, the game is feedback for us. The game is to see how well we have done during practice, how well we've prepared them, and the game is now feedback for us. So warm-up, form-up, time-up. What um, Unbelievable. Uh, a, a, a great way of sewing things. Um, his three-season life with their physical tangibles, that's how people get recruited. So for people that, you know, continue to think, you know, the competitive mindset, you know, having controlling your choice of having confidence and how you're competing um, and being able to, like, deal with umpires, deal with bad things happening to the game. These things matter, and that's another tool that you're getting evaluated on, and it's a tool that what I see in the workforce, you become uncommon when you possess these things. When you become common, when you can only control what you can control, you become uncommon and you can separate yourself when you compete with yourself and be intrinsically motivated. And you could carry around and you, and you have a choice to remain confident even when you make mistakes. Even when you get faced adversity, you continue to have that confidence. And those are things that are bigger than baseball, are bigger than any sport that you're going to play. But they're also things that we're, we're going to do. So, uh, again, reach out to Coach Anderson if you have any questions. 
Uh, I'd like to reach out to him if for any questions or anything else you might learn about his program or what he does, something you might have learned. Uh, it's, his email is kanders2 at su.edu. kanders2, K-A-N-D-E-R-S-2 at su.edu. Uh, you can also check him out on their, on their Shenandoah website as suhornets.com. Read more about the program. Sign up, look, check out their camps, things that, that, that they do, as well as Kevin Anderson, baseballcamps.com. Like you said, he's got a prospect camp coming up October 17th. So, but um, thank you all for listening, especially those who continue to share the podcast, give me good feedback, and continue to bring on people as we just try to help people just keep getting better because that's really all I'm trying to do. And as this helps me grow as a coach and grow as a person and um, just providing some feedback, providing some valuable information that I just get a chance to just really get the chance to just sit and talk some great baseball with some great people that I have fortunate to have a relationship with. So um, thank you again, Coach Anderson. Thank you guys for listening. Keep getting better.